a fabulous Tuesday evening right here on 97.3 City FM. And you're welcome to another technology conversation. This is the number one technology conversation, of course, in Ghana. This is City Trends. My name is Philip Sean and City Trends is sponsored by First National Bank. They're asking you a very simple question. Why let your business settle for less when you can get a whole lot more from First National Bank? Go beyond banking with a digital partner that understands your business. Let your business bank the better way with a business account from First National Bank with First National Bank business account. Well, it's more than just an ordinary account um, because it's a portal that gives you access to tools designed to propel your business to the next level. This includes features like the award-winning online banking enterprise, the straightforward global payment solution, and of course, the trade solutions and merchant services. You can choose an account that suits your particular sector, no matter what it is they have you covered. Just visit firstnationalbank.com.gh and get the process started. Alternatively, you can download the app as well to get some more information. They know that your business is more than just business to you. That is why they are there to help. First National Bank is a subsidiary of the First Run Group of South Africa. First National Bank, how can we help you? On the show today, we are looking at the topic surviving COVID-19, the impact of this pandemic on the Ghanaian technology ecosystem. We'll be looking at how it impacts the players within the ecosystem, social media and how it influences fintech, education, everything. If you have any questions, um, just send it through um, on our WhatsApp number 0549-986-996. The number once again is 0549-986-996. Alternatively, you can reach us on Twitter using the hashtag CityTrend. I have four guests who are going to be joining the conversation and we'll be speaking to them in just a bit. Our very first guest joins us right about now. Jamila Abdullah is the founder of Circumspect.com. Jamila, good evening to you and thank you so much for joining us on the show. Good evening, Philip, and good evening to our listeners. How has the period been for you so far? Oh, well, I mean, I guess like everyone else, you're kind of on the edge of your seat trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, but business-wise, there has not been too much change. 
that that would come as a surprise for quite a number of people how, how do you mean <laughs> Uh, so, so Starting Specs is a digital platform and company, um, and what that means is most of our operations are online. Uh, we have a website where we create the digital content, and we've been doing that for 13 years now. Um, on the business front, uh, our customers typically find us through the internet or through referrals. So, um, even though we we don't actually actually we don't even have a physical office which i think is something that a lot of ghanians always find surprising when i mention our office is the web so so long as there's an internet connection which is um, reliable that is basically the office space that i tend to operate from and so because of that um granted we have seen a slowdown of some sort um, with some clients having to cancel um, contracts that we were looking at working on because of what is happening and the impact it's having on, on organizations and businesses, um, primarily offline. Uh, but beyond that, for circumspect, um, even when we're not working on client projects, we are doing our own work vis-a-vis creating digital content, um, offering digital skills training, social media marketing insights, and so on. Um, and so that hasn't really changed for us. Would you say this is the story for a lot of technology entrepreneurs in Ghana as well? Um, I think it would be the story for many technology and entrepreneurs. But um, of course, when it comes to technology entrepreneurs, it also depends on what kind of technology you're talking about. So if you have people who are focused in the digital sphere, or in the digital space online, then they might not see too much of a change. But if their technologies are primarily offline, then or or they just have not yet had a, a digital strategy to come online, then they might be affected differently. Um, but I think overall, uh, this period is probably a, a period for technology entrepreneurs to highlight the skill sets, products, and services that they offer. Um, so, for example, I'm, I'm assuming that businesses that probably never thought about building a website or a native platform are probably thinking about that, or um, multinational operations that probably never um, thought about having a dedicated application for their customers might be exploring that right now. So, I think overall, technology entrepreneurs are probably seeing more business come their way in that respect. What, what would you say has been like the biggest impact possibly um, of this pandemic on um, how Ghanaian technology entrepreneurs approach you know, the running of their businesses, approach how they communicate with their clients, how they offer services and things like that? Or has it even had any impact from where you're sitting? Oh, yeah, definitely. I think um, you're definitely seeing a more active Ghanaian digital space when it comes to business posts um, specifically. And that, that cuts across not just technology entrepreneurs, but just entrepreneurs in general. And I mean, even if you want to take it on the policy front, you're seeing um, the government leverage digital tools more in order to communicate with Ghanaians online. Um, so there's that impact already. I'm actually pleasantly surprised um, by some of the tech entrepreneurs in Ghana and how they are approaching the COVID-19 situation. 
So I'll just give a couple of examples. Um, there's the Redbird COVID-19 symptom checker and app. Um, and I found out about them a couple of weeks ago where they try and get uh, Ghanaians to fill a form to see if the symptoms they're seeing are in line with what the WHO has announced as being the, the COVID-19 symptoms. Then you have eCampus, which uh, very early on started offering their educational support services to schools because most schools probably did not plan to go digital anytime soon, but now they have to. And so eCampus already had that solution and started offering that um, across the board. I think in some cases, even offering it for free. Um, and then you have a company like PharmaLine, which has um, a network of farmers all over Ghana. And um, they worked along with uh, one or two other creative entrepreneurs that I know to translate important COVID-19 prevention information and get it to farmers. They did a pilot and uh, basis of the information I got from them, they sent out over 30,000 voice messages in different Ghanaian languages, sent out over 3,000 SMSs to over 10,000 farmers in the Ashanti region. And now they're looking at scaling that up across Ghana. So you have all of these tech entrepreneurs that have... Um, I don't know whether to call them out-of-the-box solutions, but basically solutions that before before COVID, we probably would have just said, oh, that's a one-off. But now these solutions are becoming kind of plug-and-play um, solutions that um, can be leveraged to help combat COVID. Um, but on that front, I think the most important thing there is to support these local solutions and tech entrepreneurs because we do have that genius and creativity, we have it. And especially when it comes to partnerships, it's important not to duplicate what is already working, especially if it's, if it's a good product, you know. So I think um, for me, that, that would probably be what I'd like to see more of um, just across the board. Uh, and then, of course, you have um, more low-tech solutions like the Veronica Bucket, which I don't remember which school it is, but... Um, we had some, a professor and some students innovate the bucket with non-touch functions or the taxi guy who has figured out how to, um, to put, uh, would you say, a, a, a tap and sink just near his, um, at the back of his car so that his passengers can wash their hands. So all of these are tech solutions um, ranging from low tech to very high tech. And I think uh, it, it's been refreshing to see the creativity that, I know has already existed in the Ghanaian landscape, and I hope the the powers that be can recognize that and support that. As as someone who plays so much in the digital space, especially with all the writing and everything, do you think new media and social media has you know um, has given the entrepreneurs a certain um, platform to be able to communicate much better with their audiences as well? Has it had any impact at all? Um, I think the I think social media offers tools, right? But at the end of the day, it's a question of what you decide to do with the tools. They're just tools, but what you put into it determines the kind of impact it will have. Um, so I do think that some entrepreneurs have leveraged um, social media in order to reach their customers and reach their clients. And this is not just tech entrepreneurs, but just across the board, right? Um, so, for example, there is um, Kaime, which is a share butter, local share butter company. They source directly from the north of Ghana and they support um, northern Ghanaian women who, who 
who produced the shea butter. Um, and through this whole period, they had a physical store, which they, I think they opened, it's probably less than a year. They had to close the store because of, you know, all of the safety considerations. But throughout, they actually started off online first. And so their, their customer base is still online. Granted, people might not necessarily be buying certain products. But the point is, you haven't lost that customer engagement. Versus if you were primarily a physical shop and now because of social distancing um, measures in place, people cannot actually come to the physical shop, then you have a problem. So I do think that um, some businesses are already doing that and they will, they will depending on how they do it, at the end of the day, the question of how you do it, depending on how they do it, they will either have the opportunity to, um, to expand their customer base or potential customer base or to basically solidify and cement their customer base. Because at this time, this is actually a great time for businesses that are already online to offer support and um, value to their existing customers or to figure out how to improve their customer service. Um, there's, there's one other agency, they're called Dawoni Consult, and they focus on improving the customer experience. And for example, right now what they're doing is they're doing a series of webinars for businesses that are trying to figure out how to innovate on the customer service front. Because at the end of the day, um, if, if the, in quote, playing field has been leveled online and people can see all the potential or prospective businesses they can purchase a product from, the question is what is going to differentiate you from everybody else? And a big part of that is the customer service experience. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, final final question before you go. What would be the biggest lessons you've you've picked up as first of all as a business person, as an industry person as well? Um, what what would be those biggest lessons that you've picked up through this pandemic period? I mean, it's not over yet, but yeah. you know, so far. Um, so I think the number one lesson um, here is, is the fact that we exist in a global village. Um, despite all of the perceived differences that we might have between us, either as Ghanaians or with other Africans or just globally, at the end of the day, we are humans and we have similar similar issues, similar challenges, although depending on your context and my range. So that's the, num- the number one thing. And when it comes to business uh, or going into the digital sphere, that's a lesson for a lot of small businesses because you might be focusing primarily on Ghana, but it's possible that the core um, client or the client that you really need is maybe not even in Ghana. And so because you're so focused offline in your, on your small, in your small corner shop in O2, you're not reaching all these other customers that you could potentially reach. So that's one. Um, another thing is the value of digital skills and um, having a native digital platform. And this is something that Circumspect has been pushing for the past five or more years and which we're really trying to push this year is the fact that in order for you to be able to thrive with digital, you need to understand the platforms that you're using and to also understand how you can use it in your specific context. There's a lot of content online that talks about using social media. But what I have found is a lot of that is not fine-tuned to the Ghanaian or African context. And that's where Circumspect comes in. So we offer those insights and that guidance to help people who are end businesses going online to make that transition um, easier. And then the final one I would say is with regards to remote work. So I've been working remotely for 
at least the, fi- the past five years. And um, what I'm seeing is a lot of uh, companies that have had to ask their employees to work from home seem to be struggling with figuring out the productivity element. That's something that Circumspect is going to work on. We're working on, on an online course on that specifically to assist um, people. But for, I would say for people who are not yet employed, because the, the question of what is the economy going to look like after COVID is done, whenever it's done, is a big one. So for people who are not yet online and are looking at other opportunities to earn an income, remote work is one of them. And so um, CircumSpect is organizing uh, an online webinar on May 1st to tackle specifically freelancing um, and to explore what other opportunities digital might offer. So I think that it's, it's a very sad situation. It's a scary situation. But I really believe that there are still some opportunities in there for everyone. And, and for me personally, what I'm really trying to do is trying to focus on the silver lining to this dark cloud and trying to see how um, certain sets can offer value since we have been in that, in that landscape over 10 years. Well, Jamila, we thank you for the experiences shared as well. Thank you so much for uh, joining us with your thoughts there. Well, you heard Jamila Abdullah, who's the founder of Circumspect.com. Uh, she was our first guest sharing um, her thoughts on um, the topic today, surviving COVID-19, the impact on, Ghan- on the Ghanaian technology um, entrepreneur and um, the ecosystem generally. Um, our second guest um, is the managing director of Master Africa, and he is um, Ashwin Ravi Chandran, and he joins us now. Um, Ashwin, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Oh, unfortunately, um, we have lost Ashwin on the line there, but um, we'll be getting back to him. But very interesting thoughts there from um, Jamila that she shared with us, um, talking about... Um, um, overall, tech entrepreneurs um, are probably seeing more business come their way. But then as to how prepared they are for that business, um, a lot of um, opportunities will be open. But how ready are you to basically pick up, you know, those pick up on those opportunities and then run with it? Well, Ashwin is joining us now. Ashwin, good evening. And thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Philip. How are you? Thanks um, for having me, man. Brilliant, brilliant. Man. So, I mean, what does um, this whole COVID-19 pandemic and everything that has happened after say about um, tech businesses in Ghana? You are knee-deep in training them and, you know, basically bringing them to the point where they can go um, and, and change the world. What does all of this pandemic teach us or tell us um, about technology businesses in Ghana so far? Yeah. So I think obviously from like a current situation, I think obviously like every like every other industry, the tech business has got hit, right? Like there has been interactions been slowed down. I think you can't reach your customers now physically. You can't grow your sales pipeline. And I think a lot of these issues have to be still acknowledged for tech businesses. Uh, a lot of people, I think, assuming tech businesses, they assume that most of their products are online. They they forget that there is still a lack of humans behind. Uh, sorry, there's a la- uh, there's like uh, there is uh, actually like. Um, uh, 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 let's say aggregation of humans behind actually making sure the tech product can run and that is being actually affected in this process. But I think given the current uh, situation we're in, I think one of the key things we have to also observe is the fact that this is a time for tech emerge, uh, I think business to emerge as well. Uh, I think a few of the businesses I know currently already such as uh, I think M Pharma which is launched Muti, I think Pharma Line as well and I think currently there are other businesses such as uh, Nikao is one of our portfolio companies and Invoice here as well. So there's a lot of companies actually coming out 
I know a few of the companies such as Complete Farmer and all of the uh, and I think crowdfunding platforms are now raising money for farmers and actually making sure that operations are still running. Uh, I think safely. So in that way, tech businesses yes have suffered a setback, but they do have the I think opportunity to come out of this uh, incredibly well and making sure that the economy can still flourish under them. Right. So I mean, with that in mind, how how does that feed into for you as an educator, as a trainer, um, in terms of what kind of material you will be organizing to give the next batch of you know tech, tech entrepreneurs who come through your school, for example, seeing the lessons that we've picked up and how the businesses have reacted to that? How, are, how is that going to influence how you approach educating the next batch of you know tech entrepreneurs that come through the school? Yeah, and I think this is such an important question. I think you're asking, like, I think every entrepreneur support organization, uh, not just in this country, but across the world, right? Uh, I don't think any of us had uh, epidemic, uh, like global pandemic as any of the risk situations when we were actually designing our business plan, right? And, but it's possible, right? And it's now just the fact that if there is a situation like this, how can tech businesses still adopt? How can tech businesses still adapt and still grow while I think these situations. So I think that is one of the key things we will be focusing on. And I think we've spoken a lot about this is like, how do we make sure entrepreneurs are crisis proof? And I'm not sure if it's actually something which is possible physically or even intellectually, but it's something which we want to achieve sooner than later. Uh, so yeah. Have we, have we, have we, do you reckon that we've prepared our tech entrepreneurs appropriately? I mean, I know this is on a scale that we never imagined, but do you feel that we've prepared them enough at least to figure out what to do under such circumstances? If you ask me honestly and frankly, no. I, whether this is an entrepreneur who has just started uh, a business nine months back or whether this is an entrepreneur who's been running a business for the last 50 years, uh, I know that even the biggest families right now in Ghana are suffering under this uh, pandemic and this is something which is unavoidable, but this is something which is real. And I think in this angle, uh, yes, I, I don't think we've done enough, but I think this is something which everyone needs to learn and adapt through. Mm, very interesting. Well, which areas of a startup's life or business do you reckon would be most impacted um, during this period? So we're actually experiencing this with a couple of our companies. We're trying to fundraise for them right now so that they can go to the next step. Obviously, that is heavily impacted right now because uh, for these startups right now, which are actually trying to scale their operations, what is next right now is the question which most of these founders are asking them. Uh, I personally feel uh, at this particular point in time, the earliest stage startups are going to get hit quite heavily. They often don't have the resources. Uh, they often don't have also the financial bandwidth to, I think, survive through such a crisis. But that's also one of the key opportunities for them is they are lean enough to pivot. So while there is obviously an impact, there is also an opportunity. And I think that needs to be also acknowledged for, for tech entrepreneurs. Well, what kind of examples have you seen on like from the global front that you think are good and worthy examples for any tech entrepreneur anywhere to, to look at as a model that they could probably... Um, sort of model their businesses around in terms of how and what best practice should look like in a pandemic situation? Sure. Uh, and I think that's, like, that, uh, that's I think a very interesting question. Uh, so I think there's a lot going around, I think, first around the information access, right? So I think, like everyone wants accurate information and real-time information around, I think, COVID reporting. 
And I think that plays into, I think, people working around with, I think, demographic apps, apps right? So, like, can Snookerd, uh, can we ask Stephen to immediately launch something which actually can help us recognize, uh, I think, COVID patients about where they are, right? Uh, so, like, we, we can still protect their, I think, uh, identity, but we at least know the location of the demographics they're in. Uh, to, I think, also, like, looking at, uh, I think, multiple different angles around, uh, I think, uh, I think around logistics, uh, I think around uh, debt management for, I think, SMEs as well. So a lot of the startups where I, a lot of the human interactions which actually were bound face-to-face now need to be ad- adopted digitally. So I think a lot of them go around, I think, just information access, logistics, and supply chain. And if tech startups can focus on the basic, I think, uh, verticals which the economy requires to actually sustain itself, then I think the scale which they will come out after the economy actually uh, actually becomes normal will be incredible. Mm-hmm. Well, finally, uh, before we let you go, what are the lessons that you have picked up um, throughout this period that you like to share, especially for um, tech entrepreneurs doing the listening right now? So I think from like, obviously like everyone, <laughs> everyone knows that I run that. So that's also an organization at the end of the day. I still have staff there. I need to make sure that everyone's being taken care of. I think one of the key things which I've learned during this time, especially from uh, a leadership perspective, is communication. And I think that is making sure that communication is critical. And I think that's making sure that communication is actually going out. Whether it's your relevant stakeholders, your customers, your partners, your vendors, make sure that at this particular time, you're actually communicating with all of them. Uh, I think the second thing which I think is super critical for tech entrepreneurs is this is a good time for us to all go lean. So as businesses, uh, obviously, I think... um, people are the most important in an organization and you need to protect them. Yeah, and if you need to protect them, then if your business is not making money, what do you need to cut down? And I think that's where tech entrepreneurs need to actually come in, see if they can actually get their infrastructure subsidized, uh, reach out to their cloud partners, reach out to, I think, all the agencies we're trying to build them right now for their services which they're rendering, especially from an API standpoint of view, and try to see if they can, uh, they can help you, I think, manage uh, your cash flow. Because cash flow right now is king. And if you are not on top of your cash flow, you're going to suffer death at a point when no one's going to invest in you, no one's going to help you raise, and even the banks are going to have, uh, I think, going to have a tough time giving you liquidity. I think those are the two points I would look at, communications and I think uh, uh, lean operational flow. Brilliant, brilliant stuff. Um, Ashwin, Managing Director of Mest Africa, thank you so much for making time to join us on the show. So there you heard it. Um, for um, for those of you who are looking at um, getting into the space, those of you already in the space, um, this these are some of the things that you should be thinking about. And one of the biggest things for me is how exactly we train the next phase of you know entrepreneurs or tech entrepreneurs um you know for things like this things that you don't ever plan for you know and it's interesting the perspectives that ashwin um shared with us but then one of the most um um impacted or the most uh the buzzing um sector within the tech ecosystem is the fintech space and it's been very busy and the folks in there have been very very busy one of the busiest that you'll find probably around is um um the man curtis 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 vanderpoy who um basically is a man who runs everything the ceo of extraspay and he he joins us on, on the show and um, to talk about what has been happening within the tech eco- the the fintech space and how um from their perspective how they have also been approaching this whole pandemic well curtis thank you so much for joining us on the show um let's start off from the beginning why don't we um 
yes indeed the fintech space has been impacted but you guys seem to have enjoyed much more than virtually everybody else is is, is that a true reflection of what's going on <laughs> thank you for having me Philip. um not necessarily enjoyed much more than everybody else and i can i can break it down in a couple of ways so maybe from an expressway perspective remember there are multiple sides to a business there's a consumer side which a lot of people know a lot of people use our app for getting their airtime for sending money for paying for DSTV and so on. But there's also the face-to-face segment where you have merchants that are using our POSs now or our QR solutions at the moment. And so they are two very different segments. And then you have uh, banks or third parties who also consume services from us. So maybe I'll, I'll break it down a little bit. On the consumer side, because people are home, naturally you would expect certain transactions to go up. So things like airtime, internet usage, uh, because people have to have meetings, um, even DSTV and so on, because kids are home and people want them to uh, have some form of entertainment and so on, so they will pay for their subscriptions. So you see that happening. But when you look at the different segments, which is essentially the money transfer segment, the money transfer segment is really driven by commerce, right? So you're paying, sending more money to a plumber or a carpenter or a seamstress for that dress you need for you. But you're now home, so a lot of people's expenditure has moved from their natural equilibrium to the bare minimum, just essentials, so just getting food, getting essentials, and so on. So that level of commerce you would expect to naturally drop. And so I think it's a balance, it's a balance we are experiencing where you have, um, in some segments, you have seen that drop because level of commerce has generally gone down because everyone is home. And then in some segments, you have seen a bit of an uplift because people have no choice but to pay for these services digitally. When you come to the face-to-face segment, I think that one, you can imagine, uh, you see a massive dip. So we have fuel stations that have our, have our POSs and our QR solutions, for instance, but no one is driving or very few people are driving right, during the lockdown period before they, they lift. And so the level of transactions there will just plummet. We have restaurants that have fewer, we have hotels, level of transactions there will plummet. So it is a mixed bag. Um, what we try to do is to try and get more and more consumers aware that these solutions, our solution exists so they can embrace it um, and pay safely, pay the digital way. I see. I see. Well, it's it's it, it swings both ways, it seems. And I'm just wondering, how have the players within the fintech space sort of position themselves to take the most advantage um, of, of the situation, as, as weird as that sounds? <laughs> that, that makes it sound like an opportunistic problem, but I don't think it is. Really, I think the, it's naturally fall, fallen into place because you have businesses who otherwise may have taken longer to embrace digital solutions who are now reaching out more aggressively because they want a way to receive money from their customers remotely. So you're seeing that happen. But for all the new businesses, it will be a ramp-up, right? So three weeks is too short to experience that sudden boom. It will take time for you to actually start to see that benefit um, come through. But I think the good thing is um, this has made it necessary for people to find these alternative digital channels to cash or a way to pay uh, remotely. And so a lot of people or more people are now becoming aware of Expressway and the things they can do with Expressway. And so new people are coming on board. But you wouldn't expect to see that sudden boom. I think it will take time before you see you see that trans- you see that impact actually come through. And hopefully, uh, once people have discovered these digital solutions, not just for Expressway, but for other fintech, to 
solutions out there. In a few months, you're going to start to see more patronage of those services. And for merchants, when people go out to try and get, when fintechs go out and try and engage merchants to try and get them on boarded to accept these digital solutions, it's always a tough conversation. Now, this experience, I think, makes people realize that it's important to have that option as one of the ways in which you can receive payment. So you have groups, you have churches and so on, who we've spoken to in the past. Um, and it's been a slow conversation. But this period where you're seeing a lot of churches innovate and still continue to conduct their religious activities um, online, now finding ways to engage various fintech players so that they can receive um, their typical payments, your tithes, your collections, and so on. And so that is happening. And I think that's a plus. And I think we'll all see it eventually. But remember that during this period, there's been a dip. And so you'd have to, some of that sort of excess or new business will come to hopefully even now, sort of the losses, quote-unquote, you'd have made in this period and eventually turn into growth. So we are, we are optimistic, but it's not, it's not all losing. So some, in some quarters, people contend that we probably have missed an opportunity um, to integrate fully many more people within, you know, the, the financial sector or include them in the financial conversation. And I don't know what your thoughts are about that because people sometimes feel that we could have done a lot more from probably a policy point of view, from a government point of view, getting more people into the financial sector. I don't know what your thoughts are about that. That's a good question, but I would say that maybe we are still not so short a little bit. Um, if you look at mobile money, mobile money has done a tremendous job in Ghana in particular in getting a lot of people included financially. Right, mobile money numbers are shooting through the roof. And so I think we may be selling ourselves a little short. The, the economy is still majority cash, but you're seeing lots of people start to embrace mobile money. You're seeing lots of banks start to push out digital tools. You're seeing fintechs like Express Bay pushing out these alternative channels as well uh, for consumers out there. And you're seeing government also start to embrace some of these digital solutions. And so I think it's a journey, and we can't expect it all to happen right away, uh, when we take stock, when you look back seven years ago, we're very we're in a very different place from where we were seven years ago. So we've actually made tremendous progress. I'm not saying that we are done. We still have a long way to go, but I think we are taking the right steps, including even what the regulator is trying to do, right, to try and organize the ecosystem, uh, for lack of a better word, right? So I think all of these steps are actually pointing us in the right direction. Um, it's tough. Behavior change is very tough. Right. Look at COVID and what we are dealing with. Right. It even that in itself, where it's life and death, it's very tough. And so when you talk about regular behavior change, and you're trying to get people to change their habits from cash everywhere to embrace digital uh, means of payment, it won't it won't happen in a short period. It will take time. But we've made some massive strides, and I think there's more to come. Well, last but one question: When when all is said and done, um, where honestly do you think the chips are going to fall? So the good thing is, I think this uh, current pandemic and the situation we found ourselves in has made it easier for businesses and consumers to realize that it makes sense to go digital, right? Everyone is, a lot of people are also saying maybe try and minimize use of cash and so on. You know, we've been pushing a cash-like agenda for a long time. And so I think you're going to, you're going to find that the, the hurdle to convert businesses or convince businesses to accept digital solutions uh, from a payments perspective would be lowered. And it will make more sense to a lot of people now. And so hopefully a lot of fintechs, um, as they go out to try and onboard new merchants, 
uh, will find that it's easier to get them into the fold. And a lot of consumers as well may start to enjoy, you know, contactless type solutions. For us, our team has been quite busy working on a, 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 a QR solution. You've seen our QR solution, but we've been busy on a way to um, sort of accelerate the ability for merchants and consumers to get their own QR code, right? So that you have more and more contactless payments. You go there, you scan your QR, and you're done. And so that, that product is going to come out soon. I expect you see more innovations like that in the market. And people are really, hopefully, going to shift from, from cash to these digital options. And all in all, it will be good for the country as a whole. Your biggest lesson so far? I think my biggest lesson has been the resilience of people, right? For our staff, we change very quickly. We've been working from home for more than five weeks now. Uh, we literally switched everyone to work from home within two days, right? And our staff have been amazing, um, continuously working professionally to make sure Express Day still exists, right? And it's doing what it's meant to do, is meeting the needs of consumers, even where you have higher demand, we are trying to make sure we can do a better job or, or keep up with, with it. And so my biggest lesson so far is the resilience of people and making sure you are, you are treating your people right. It comes down to people and making sure you're taking the right right steps to make your staff happy and to to keep them motivated so that in even tough times like these, people are willing to go that extra mile uh, to make sure we are offering the best service we can to our customers. Well, Curtis, all the very best to you. Um, I guess a few people are still waiting for um, the Express Pay Bank, but that's a conversation for another day. Um, our very final um, guest uh, for, for, for today, is um he wears a lot of hats um one of them happens to be the ceo of clear space labs and um he, he does quite a lot including being knee deep in the operations of Orangkad. ehi benite thank you so much for joining us on the show um it's not every day we we get to have you on the phone so i'm going to squeeze a lot out of you but um my very first question ehi, um what are some of the lessons you feel tech entrepreneurs can learn from the impact of COVID-19 on, on, on the operations, on their businesses, on the way they even approach business itself. Uh, Philip, thanks so much for having me on the program and um, congratulations on putting together such an excellent uh, panel. Um, it's an it's a interesting question. The, I think at the heart of it, the, the big lessons for me uh, would be no grand design. So too often... Um, Entrepreneurs sort of have this, or we have this tend to have this idea that, well, next to Jesus in the order of knowledge, we know exactly what's going to happen in the future. And so we, we plan our lives and try to execute the plan, <laughs> which we absolutely believe will happen. So you, if you drop your budget, you drop your spreadsheet, um, and you're going to go, go viral and go global instantly. Instantly. And uh, more than anything else, um, COVID-19 teaches us no grand design. Um, you, you need a certain level of humility. You need a core focus on your values. So the, the biggest lesson here is um, leadership for me. Um, there's an interesting book by a gentleman called Mark Pierre, and it's called Consequential Leadership. And the heart of this book talks about the fact that in times of crisis, 
what you need most are leaders who lead with values and are able to navigate the circumstances based on those values and not some grand design. And I think ultimately this is what matters. What's, what's values? Um, a crisis like this will test your leadership. It will expose your weaknesses. It will expose the weaknesses in your organization and its structure. And usually these are not the top things on the minds of a tech entrepreneur. What's top of mind is usually let's build a nice product. Does it work? Is it cool? Is it nice? That sort of thing. So my, my top lessons would be from um, no grand design and uh, consequential leadership. Wow. Well, obviously, there's a lot that we can also learn about how we train the next, like even current entrepreneurs, how we train the next, you know, um, business leaders and everything. And I'm just wondering as well, what are some of the things that we can pick from? I mean, apart from leadership and, and, and everything you've spoken about, what are some of the things that we can consider when we are training leaders today when we're training tech entrepreneurs today or the tech entrepreneurs of tomorrow well one is obviously to be adaptive so um your mission should should always be in focus what why is the reason what's the reason i'm in business for i'm in business to solve a problem and to meet needs i'm not in business to create a nice technology and this is a fundamental difference and as long as that mission is front and central, then your ability to adapt to whatever is thrown at you, um, the technology is a tool, um, and you, you just keep evolving based on the needs of your clients and your customers. And so in this era, you have low bandwidth, you have um, high bandwidth needs, um, you have expensive bandwidth, you have situations where people are not as mobile as they'd like to be. There are intrinsic opportunities based on the needs of the customers. And um, entrepreneurs who are focused on these needs and have the right level of consequential leadership will evolve their businesses to respond to these. Well, which areas of a startup's life, if probably started five months ago, which areas of their life will they probably have to start considering um, they've probably already started you know going back to the drawing board scrapping everything which areas of their business life would they need to focus on the most in order to survive from from all of this well um you obviously need to have a highly relevant product um you need to have a reasonably lean operation um you need to have the structure to communicate and work as a team remotely you need to have the ability to maintain a relationship with your customers and your partners. Um, and you need, obviously, to have the ability to um, collect cash or collect uh, payments for your services. So it's quite a range, but it, it, it really is a heavy focus on the structure of the organization itself. At this point, I mean, it becomes evident that what makes a great company is not a nice office and uh, a ping-pong table and cool chairs and free lunch. So the idea of the Silicon Valley style excellence mm. being you need money to have a nice location and a nice office and those things are what create a great company has been tested and thrown out the water. 
what what creates a great company is the culture of the company. So um, entrepreneurs at this stage would have to pay a significant attention to the culture of the company they're creating. What about the question of security? Because I know it's a, it's a very important thing um, or factor in you know building a tech business. Are there any lessons from around the world that you know you'd like to share with us, or any lessons personally you've picked up about how important security is within a pandemic situation, for example, for a technology entrepreneur? Well, so we obviously have heard the horror stories of Zoom and uh, Zoom bombings and people jumping in on other people's Zoom meetings and the challenges with that. Um, but we've also seen the excellent response from that um, organization. And, um, and how they have taken one crisis with security and turned it around. Um, so it is, a, it is fundamental in the digital era and in an era where there is an aggressive move towards digitization of services to have um, security front and central and the management of data and also the um, maintenance of a strong privacy policy. So how... Um, how well managed are consumers' data in that in that environment? Through this period, I'm sure there are some companies who have conducted themselves exceptionally. I mean, are there any that you feel that we can look at as a model by which we can, you know, structure our businesses and structure the way we we go about doing and delivering service? Well, I think that there, there are quite a few. Um, and like I said, the, the obvious winners in, um, in a situation like this are there. Um, on the international stage, you have, um, it's interesting how you have uh, Skype, Zoom, Google Hangouts, lots of companies in the, in the video conferencing space. And yet one seems to have taken the lead through uh, an aggressive, close look at the needs of the customers and managing and executing that better than anybody else. So you have Zoom being a winner in one of these circumstances. And there are quite a few as well. So you have um, some of the um, online companies like Netflix, for example, realizing that a lot of people are home and want to keep being entertained, um, have done two things. They have lowered bandwidth conditions to make sure that services are widely available to everyone and have actually um, they would typically Netflix would typically shut down your account if you do not pay but recognizing a real need they have dropped their um, uh, their, their, their charges or their fees and not shut off people's accounts even when their payments are, are delayed um, and this is these are organizations who are adapting. Um, on a on a local front, um, we have worked with companies like uh, Nyaho Clinic um, in executing um, a response to a, a crisis. And so, top of mind for everybody is not how can we make a profit. The top of mind for everyone is how can we help. So. In, a, in circumstances like this, the attention shifts from what can we do to make a difference and make sure everyone is safe. And that goes back to the values of the organization. So locally, we've had um, so an example would be a company like Nyahoo, who we've worked with in um, 
providing world-class health care to, to, to people. Well, Ehi, before I let you go, finally, very finally, um, for you personally as well, what are the biggest lessons that you have picked up as a business leader um, through this period? Well, it, it's um, the biggest lessons for me would would really have to be um, would really have to be about uh, communication and leadership. So, um, the keeping that close, constant communication with your team, um, being transparent with the challenges of the environment and sourcing out the best ideas to respond to that. And providing clear leadership, um, even when you don't have answers. Um, so this is something which I think has been stuck. Um, there is a real absence of leaders in this um, environment. Fear, uncertainty, doubt, um, conspiracy theories. There's a whole bunch of things. And in, in the middle of this, there needs to be clarity and security and reassurance to a team. And um, I think for me, this, these are the biggest lessons. So having clear communication and effective, transparent leadership um, with your team. Well, Ehi, thank you so much um, for making time to join us. It's It's been a pleasure really having all my panelists join me. And um, I, do, I do hope this conversation has benefited you doing the listening um, right about now in one way or the other. Clearly, there are lots of lessons we, we can pick up from all these business leaders. Clearly, there's, there's, there are advantages, um, there are opportunities, and you need to be ready to pick them up. But one of the biggest things I picked up from what he was talking about no grand design shall you just keep it simple keep it moving keep it running and basically that's that's all it's, it's going to be well let's get into um today we have two segments for you we have the app segment and then we have the training segment but, but before anything else um let's hear a quick word from um our sponsors um, first national bank so you realize that you've misplaced your purse does your bank help you with that because when you have that i can't believe it i've lost my card moment you can use the First National Bank mobile app to block your card and order a new one. You can also report any fraudulent activity on your account anytime, 24-7. And if you need cash, you can still withdraw at any First National Bank ATM without a card just by using the banking app. So you'll always have access to your money when you need it. See, it takes a bank that does more to help your family. So who's helping yours? First National Bank. How can we help you? And now it's time for the app segment. And Jeffrey Uriku Sapong has um, a very interesting app for us today. Plendify, he calls it. Good evening, Philip. Um, today we have something for the people in the business world. It's called Plendify. P-L-E-N-D-I-F-Y. Now let's listen to Michael talk about the app. Hello, my name is Michael, co-founder of Plendify. We are a new business-to-business -business mobile marketplace. We help trusted suppliers list their businesses and purchase promotions to advertise to business buyers professionally. Our mission is to provide market access to millions of entrepreneurs in the food industry, in the beauty industry, among others in Ghana, so that they can increase their sales and acquire more business clients. We allow entrepreneurs to list more than one business. So that means if you are manufacturing products, but also on the side offering a service, you can list both of them on the platform. We also allow you to advertise for a very low fee of 20 Ghana CDs. 
When a business buyer is interested in your products or services, they can send you a chat securely on the platform and you would receive a notification directly onto your phone. Do you want to have a resilient business in 2020? If your answer is yes, download the Plentify app on our website by visiting www.plentify.com. That's P-L-E-N-D-I-F-Y.com. Thank you very much. And we hope to help you grow your business and stay safe. Okay. So that was Plendify. So why don't you download it, try it out, and tell us what you think. You can follow me on Twitter. My handle is OJ Sapon. O-J-S-A-R-P-O-N-G. Follow me. My DM is open. Send me a message if you have an app that you want us to talk about. Thank you. So Plendify is our mobile app for this week. Please do check it out and let us know what you think about it um, if you want a resilient business. Well, it's time for us to get into a training segment. And the training segment basically is where we bring you up to date with everything that's happening globally on the tech um, in the tech space. So um, uh, um, uh, the man who's been snooping around, Mr. Entry, has all the details for us. Welcome to the week's set of trending stories in the technology ecosystem here on City Trends. To our first story of the week, Government of Ghana extends the spectrum of MTN and Vodafone for the next three months. Announced by the Minister of Communications, Eslausu, government has given an extra spectrum to Vodafone and MTN Ghana because of an increased pressure on bandwidth following the spike in data usage in recent times. According to Eslausu, the upsurge in data usage is due to coronavirus pandemic, which has compelled a lot of people to stay at home. The minister is hopeful this development will help reduce the pressure on the networks. Also, she has urged Ghanaians to conserve data use by limiting downloads of movies and music. Moving on to other stories, Facebook has launched a coronavirus information center in Ghana and 16 other African countries. So what's the coronavirus information center? The coronavirus information center is a feature at the top of your newsfeed in your Facebook app which provides a central place for people to keep informed about the coronavirus. It includes real-time updates from national health authorities, global organizations such as the World Health Organization, as well as helpful articles, videos, and posts around social distancing, preventing the virus, among others. According to Facebook, the launch of the Coronavirus Information Center as part of its efforts to help the global fight against coronavirus. Some of the African countries which has this center launched include Benin, Burkina Faso, Cote d'Ivoire, Kenya, Nigeria, among others. So to our last story of the week, WhatsApp and the World Health Organization has launched stickers to help people going through these tough times of coronavirus pandemic. So today, the Facebook-owned company WhatsApp and the World Health Organization introduced a new set of sticker pack called Together at Home. So Together at Home is a sticker pack which is available on WhatsApp. If you go to your sticker section in your WhatsApp messaging app. So the Together at Home captures moments and emotions that people are likely going through each and every day in this coronavirus pandemic. The stickers, as said earlier, was developed in collaboration with the World Health Organization and is available in 10 languages, including English, Arabic, French, German, Portuguese, Russian, and Spanish. Looking at some of the stickers, 
you could see some descriptions like okay some illustrations like someone washing their hands some illustrations like someone exercising some descriptions like you are my hero descriptions like high five descriptions like staying at home according to whatsapp this sticker pack is a creative way in which they are reminding people to wash their hands maintain distance exercise and most importantly celebrate medical heroes as well as personal heroes in each of our lives so this brings us to the end of the trending segment on city trends you can follow me on twitter at oyng and that will be the end of today's show awesome awesome show i love the conversations we've had today but remember the show will be available as a podcast for any of you who want to do it who want to take a second listen or want to put out some notes we're available as a podcast first thing tomorrow so please look out for it on all the podcast platforms that you can imagine we will be there so make sure you look out for it and download a big thank you to all my guests to jamila to ehi to curtis to ashwin and of course to the rest of the team as well um it's been a pleasure coming your way till next week Stay techy!